heavy track today. Yeah, not vibing risky lettuce, getting sinker vibes. I don't know, says on the Tab app she's firming. Don't just vibe it, get expert tips in Tab's new race feed. Tab, we're on. What are you really gambling with? Welcome to RSN's Racing Pulse. Imperatrice called upon, still three lengths in front, and the Tangerine Tsunami's going to do it again. Imperatrice won it well. Without a fight, runs on, lays in on top of Gold Trip. Westwind blows 100 to go. Without a fight, coming at it. Without a fight, Westwind blows. The heads in unison. Without a fight. Without a fight for the Caulfield Cup. Romantic Warrior, Mr. Brightside. Still alligator blood. Mr. Brightside coming at it with Romantic Warrior. The breaking racing news, the stories, opinion, the mail and the people who make racing happen. Here's Michael Felgate. Good morning and welcome to Racing Pulse on this Monday the 6th of November. Happy Melbourne Cup Eve after a phenomenal derby day at Flemington. The storylines were many and varied and it was the big names that stood up and what a finish we had in the Victoria Derby. Uh, we had the first female winner of the Coolmore Stud Stakes and we had one of the rides of the year, Declan Bates, to win the Empire Rose. Damien Oliver showed everyone uh, that maybe he shouldn't be retiring with a double and Jamie Carr, whether she was out of form or not, she hit back on one of the big days with a double as well. And the first lady of racing, Gay Waterhouse, was to the fore. What a beautiful entree to Australia's most iconic race, the Melbourne Cup. We will review Derby Day and we will preview the Melbourne Cup on the program today. We're going to speak to some of the biggest names. Chris Waller, after winning a derby, once again going back-to-back with Riff Rocket. Quite phenomenal. And he's got a big hand in the Melbourne Cup. will join us a little later. We'll also look forward to catching up with Kieran Maher. He'll go through his Melbourne Cup runners. And could it be history repeating with Gold Trip again tomorrow? And then we'll chat later with Willie Mullins, who, of course, is the trainer of the favourite Vauban and... He also has a handy second stringer in Absurd, the Ebel winner as well. Big show. We want your opinion, your insight, your thoughts as always. You can, always, you can SMS us on 0416905052. Maddie Stewart, Mick Sharkey are here. Good morning, gents. What a wonderful derby day. Oh, what about the weather? I mean, oh. a year ago, slaughtered by the weather. It was terrible. This year, uh, the weather's turned for the better and the crowds have returned. So... Uh, yeah, no, amazing. And I'm really looking forward to having a chat to Willie Mullins because on various betting mediums, there's been a lot of support for Absurd mm. in the last 24 hours and the, and the favourite hasn't got the big blows, but it's kind of got the blows, Vauban, whether there was a gallop or something at Werribee that uh, went unnoticed where maybe the stablemate uh, got closer to Vauban, who knows? But it's just interesting that the gap between the two Mullins runners is closing in the betting markets a little bit. I think he's just out to a more realistic price. The fact that he touched $3.40 in a Melbourne Cup, he's now out to $4.40. An absurd is a uh, a $12 chance. An absurd is no slouch. He's he's won an Ebor in a really, really tough uh, performance to win that Ebor, and the Ebor is traditionally a very good guide for these horses that come out and and tackle the Melbourne Cup. So, yeah, I, I wouldn't read too much into the... 
the drift. It's probably just the, the, the correction that had to happen. And the first, yeah, you, you wonder whether it's not implausible that Willie Mullins might not Quinella the race. You know, I think like, he can. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, Saturday was a ripper. I, uh, I was really pleased for Jamie Carr. We had a chat to Rachel King yesterday. God, she's such a delight. Isn't she? she is so she's so magic, uh, Rachel King and. Uh, Timmy Clark with a double and the Goat with a double. Um, it wasn't a great edition of the Derby, but it was a, a great race. Uh, yeah. uh, and then the, the the bold front running displays. Even Najam Sahail sort of setting yeah, them alight he in held the on Remarkably yeah. well. And um, Declan Bates uh, throwing caution to the wind uh, with Pride of Jenny. So there was there was a lot of that stuff going on, and I actually think. Bigger picture, long term, the, the the Japanese winning the ten million dollar Golden Eagle on top of Romantic Warrior, whether that focuses this region and the, the the big administrations in this region about how do we get a greater movement of horses between Hong Kong and Japan and and Australia in the future uh, because they were so successful Hong Kong and Japan. There might be a few out there that wouldn't want to see a huge influx of Japanese horses coming out here to Australia. Um, well, it's up to us to. Match them in time, isn't it? It's a bit hard at the moment, isn't it? Well, but that's I the saw there was challenges a, to, to get there better, was a, to be a better. Twitter debate yesterday um, saying that um, uh, Graham Pavey, who's a, a well-known form analyst over in Japan, said it's embarrassing that this horse was able to come over to Australia and win a $10 million Golden Eagle up against um, horses that are uh, meant to be um, the best here over the distance. Well, but that's the the long range challenge because the racing world's shrinking. If 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 the, the the Hong Kong horse comes down and wins our greatest race, and then a, a, the fifty seventh best horse in Japan comes out and wins a ten million dollar race, uh, we we can't run away from them. So we have to get better. We just yeah. have to raise the bar. While while we have an obsession with speed, I don't think that's going to happen overnight. You know our our breeding market, our commercial yearling sale market, it's just utterly obsessed with speed. And while that's the case, we'll keep focusing on sprinters and be incredibly vulnerable at uh, a mile and above. I think there's there's always mini shifts that count for something. And I think that shift away from speed is, is, has, has been noticeable in the last 10 years. It hasn't been gargantuan, but there's certainly a, a realisation that we're in a, a global uh, competition and we have to have to at some point measure up. We'll have a chat to Chris Waller. We'll put that to him. That'll be an interesting um, conversation to have with him because he's at the forefront of training here. Uh, does he think our horses could possibly compete with the best overseas in time? Um, with the, the don't we have to aspire to that of deep impact? Absolutely, yeah. we do. Yeah. Absolutely, we do. But I think it's going to be a while before we produce an equinox. Oh. Yeah, but even Japan it took a while to produce an equinox. Well, <laughs> the horses that are getting beaten by him yeah. would come out here and beat most of ours. We'll get a, mm. a form line through breakup, um, Sharky, in the Melbourne Cup, who who ran okay in the Caulfield Cup. We'll talk more about that when we do our preview. But there's a lot out there saying that they expect him to bounce mm. out of that at Flemington and be um, very competitive Maybe. Maybe. in the Cup. On He'd want to because he was. He was. He average. didn't do the good Japanese thing in the Caulfield Cup. He was below that level. From memory, Delta Blues and Pop Rock both ran eye catches, didn't they, in the yeah. Caulfield Cup? And there were others as well. Um, Admire Rakti obviously won it, but um, he would have to improve significantly because he's the least impressive Japanese performer in a Caulfield Cup that I can oh, recall. To be fair, he hasn't had the the luxury of the training facility in quarantine in Japan before he arrived in Australia, and that's. I think that's the biggest difference is his preparation is not like the other Japanese horses we've seen here. 
and he hasn't arrived here super fit, ready to rock and roll, so you are always chasing. Sharky, the feature, the Penfolds Victoria Derby on Saturday, as Maddie said, most people saying that it doesn't look a strong addition. 12 months from now, we'll be able to get a good idea. But what we do know is that it was one of the most thrilling finishes uh, in recent memory for the race. And the two that um, fought out the finish, I think, are, are rightfully the two best days. Sunsets ran a, a really big race, and the form stood up in the derby on Saturday. Before we have a chat to Chris Waller, let's have a listen to that spine-tingling finish. Three quarters of a length in front of Riff Rocket, followed by Apulia. Sunsets at the 200. Riff Rocket pegging it back. Riff Rocket took the front. It's just in front. Riff Rocket from Sunsets Apulia. Riff Rocket. Apulia's coming at it. Riff Rocket. Apulia. A head bobber. Head bobber. A photo finish. A thrusting, desperate finish between Riff Rocket and Apulia. Heads up and down. Sunsets third, then Cosguy. Um, I think that. The, t- the three best horses come away and it would have been a great spectacle to watch but um, been blessed with a couple of really close photos and this was another one that I thought I was done to a dinner on the line but the poor Hayes boys would be hating, hating on me. Mark Zara, Apulia. Yeah, look, he ran super, had a, had a nice run. Um, he's just such a big-looking horse. Like, when I was inside the other two, he really struggled to pick up. And then when I got the second horse, he got, you know, where the winner was stopping or I was coming. But his last 50 was great. Uh, a good run. Johnny Allen, Sunsets. Uh, he's gone super. Um, we were able to offset the gate fairly quickly. Um, yeah, look, he's tried his heart out. The uh, other two were just a little bit too good from today. All right, there's a snapshot of the beaten jockeys there as well. Chris Waller joins us after winning his second derby in a row on Saturday. Chris, congratulations. What a performance by Riff Rocket. Did you think you'd won on the line? Morning, lads. Yeah, it was um, a great a great finish, and I I just, I just chose to stay out of it. I think um, as a trainer, you hate going to early crows, so uh, it was <laughs> tough. It was tough, and... I was with J.D. Hayes last night, and um, I felt for him. But geez, they're they're a tough they're a tough crew, and um, yeah, they've got a good horse there. And we got the day on Saturday, but gee, it could have gone either way. Chris, when you consider what the Hayes boys have been through in the space of you know a little more than a week, have Thanks you had to James McDonald? Yeah, <laughs> have you had periods like that in your career where you've just gone near miss, near miss, near miss in in major races with the same villain yeah. each time? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we, we all have. And I actually said to him, I said, you'll be tapping me on the shoulder at some stage, say, got you today. <laughs> so, uh, it does it does go around pretty quick. Um, as simple as that. Hey, Chris, you're a, a devoted watcher of Hong Kong races, and I think Joe Marrera was the first I saw with that great skill of, of, of seemingly pushing down on the neck over the line. And we had Stephen Arnold in yesterday saying that when it works, it works. Uh, it's, it's a bit of an optical illusion, but James McDonald's now done it twice in these big races. The Cox Plate, he was all over the neck of Romantic Warrior and, and Riff Rocket yesterday, whether it made the winning difference or not, but it's it's a developing style of a few of these big jockeys, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Yeah, I watched the, the last 100 metres and you could see him sitting so, so, um, so um, still too. And I guess you, you're out on... you just... The horse is out on his legs, literally, and um, yeah, I could just see him just just sort of doing as little as he could. Often the whip goes away as well, and they just set themselves up for that last that last drive. So whether it's just all talk or whether it is actually factual, I'm not sure. But 
it looked looked pretty good on Saturday from his perspective. I actually put it to him afterwards on the on the coverage, and he goes, he, he tried to deflect it straight away and said, no, 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 that's just me having my head down and bum up. Uh, it uh-huh. wasn't anything. But I, I think the good jockeys find that timing to perfection, don't they, Chris? They seem to, yeah. And it's it's just confidence. And and look, Mark Zara, he's riding better, or he's never ridden better, I mm. guess. From how we see it, he probably differs. In his opinion, he probably... No, not riding any different to how he is every other year, but just amazing to see these good jockeys. And as James said, post-race, it would have been a great spectacle. It certainly was. Chris, tell us about Riff Rocket. He's by American Pharaoh, who's, it seems weird, but he's almost been under the radar um, with his performances. I know he's had uh, a few nicer horses this season emerge, and Riff Rocket's certainly one of them. I know he's just won a derby, but... His best performance, that superimposed when he blew them away at 1,800. Do you think in time this is a genuine staying horse or will you look to just bring him back to that 2,000-metre range a bit? I think we'll bring him back because, yeah, he was out on his legs there on mm. Saturday. Um, the dam side um, suggested it's more speed than stamina. So that's why I'm thinking that. And I think it was only the American Pharaoh factor. Mm. What we underestimate, I think, with these American horses is actually how good they are at that, those tough, and you're a good form student, like um, Kentucky Derby, yeah. it's, it's run, that, it's a race to every quarter, as they say, it's only 2,000 metres, but they just do not leave, they just do not die wandering, it's a, a race to the front and you've got to sustain it, and then for him to win the Triple Crown, I think it's 2,400, the same, similar trip to the Derby, so... I think there's plenty of stamina from there, and I think that's why we get a few of the American stallions mixed up. And I think he's one of them. He's, he's, he's a bit of stamina stallion and a little speed stallion. Just speak into the. You're just drifting off a bit there, Chris. Uh, just from the phone. Um, I was watching the Breeders' Cup yesterday too, and I love American racing. I, I love, I'm addicted to the to the, the history of it, and because because of this the relentless brutality of the of the way they race it. As you say, they don't die wondering. Best horse usually wins because luck's taken out of it. It's all just getting test. from A to B. It's a test. Um, what about uh, the Derby itself, though, Chris? Having spoken about how tough the this son of American Pharaoh is, the, the annual debate keeps coming up. And you said that he did get the wobbles late. Uh, are you a fan of the, the twenty five hundred Spring Oaks and Derby, or are you? Would you be happy to see it come back in distance? This debate comes up every year, but it's certainly surfaced again. I found a good answer on Friday at the Carbine Club, uh, and I said. Um because I'm travelling back to Sydney tomorrow to watch the Golden Eagle, I'll stay out of the debate of the Derby coming back in distance. Well, you've won the last two, so you, you can't want to change the distance too much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, it, look, it comes up very early. It's a unique race, and, um, yeah, you get into a bit of trouble if you start suggesting changes. I think, again, that's when the pattern committee needs to sit down and, and get real and work out best for racing. Speaking of that sort of thing, the pattern, uh, uh, the Japanese winner of the, the Golden Eagle, the Hong Kong winner of the Cox Plate, um, 
you know, the the racing world shrinking, but we we we're always a long way away down in this bottom corner. Do you think this might ignite the idea of of a more regional competition between Hong Kong, even Japan, Australia, and maybe even New Zealand if the entain dollars keep coming in? That there could, in an ideal world, be a a flowing circuit of these of these great horses more regularly through uh, through the region. Yeah, I think it could, and I've heard a few little few little um, whispers along the way that there could be some smart people working out an idea how to do it but the um, the sacrifice when you do send a horse overseas is huge so when you're sending a horse say from Australia to run in Hong Kong and then to Dubai then to <clears throat> somewhere else in the Middle East or England America um, it comes at a cost so you need to be you need to be um, rewarded for that cost and a sign-on type fee would be the only way it would work. Like, you might need 3 or $4 million guaranteed, and yes, we would then run in six races, but because, yeah, it's just so hard, especially from us down here in Australia New Zealand, we're miles away, and it's a it's a 30-hour trip. But if you were to shrink it to a more regional part of the world, like, accept what you're saying, that it's difficult, and then shrink it to just the southeast. I'm thinking Japan, Hong Kong, Australia, and potentially some sort of a capital injection in New Zealand where you, you don't actually create new races, but you just have an established group of races with big bonuses and incentives or whatever it takes to get Golden 60 here or Romantic Warrior back or, or, or the fifth best, best Japanese horse, that sort of thing. I think that would be realistic and maybe coming together for a grand final with the, with the Northern Hemisphere as well. But mm. even the likes of Japan, they're coming out of their hemisphere to run an hours. That's, that's good for one or two runs, but once the horse wakes up that he's in a different hemisphere, it's really hard. So there's, there's little challenges, yep. but as we see with modern-day sport, um, it's important to go with change, and, yeah, it's an exciting idea. Chris, just before I ask you about your cup runners, uh, just a, a quick word on Shinzu. He, he was really honest in the Coolmore. Yeah. Um, back in form, I know you've been saying he's been going really well without luck. And uh, while he was defeated, he certainly wasn't um, disappointing. What's the future hold for him in the autumn, do you think? Yeah, all going to plan. He'd be an ideal new market horse. And I'd love to stretch him out to 1,400 metres as well. I didn't think they ran that quick through the early and mid stages. And when, when they sprinted, as we were trying to drift across to the better ground, he was just left left out of his comfort zone. So I think 1,400 metres as a three-year-old in the autumn would be exciting after the new market. Just just one on the on the Coolmore, Chris, just the way the race played out. As they candid to the gates, you thought, these are all the glamour three-year-olds. They don't get any better. But the race played out in a bit of a holding pattern, didn't it? It was sort of... We spoke to Rachel King yesterday. She said she thought she was going to win after 100 metres because it was almost... And it almost unfolded as a procession, which was a little bit frustrating in a way, but that's just the way the race panned out, I suppose. Yeah. Well, we were even anticipating to get some cover, but they did, they went that slow to our eyes that we just couldn't even get the cover from that gate. And then when they were starting to drift across it, I think people or the jockeys were more worried about positions and part of the track rather than the speed of the race. And it just got away. And full credit to the winner, but it just took a little bit of a tempo out. There was tempo in the Empire Rose and a tissue smashed home to line. Does she go to the matriarch again? Um, she's now a Group 1 winner, Mick, so we'll probably aim a little bit higher. Yeah. The Group 2 is the race she would win. 
uh, but we'd probably have a throw at the stumps in the 2,000 metre of the Champions race. Mm. And I guess that's the beauty of these types of races. Um, everybody gets a second chance and you would get a horse that would normally be running in the matriarch running for the $3 million prize. So that'll that'll make a great day of racing and I think mm. she'll get a chance there. And will Fangirl be in one of the Champions races? Pretty sure she will. Um, she's... She spent last week at Macedon. She's now at Flemington, and I looked at her this morning. She looked great. So we're leaning towards running her in the mile. Gee, it's going to be a cracker. Uh, Mr Brightside, Alligator Blood Fangirl. Can't wait for that on mm. Saturday. Uh, before then, uh, we need to see if you can win another Lexus Melbourne Cup. Four runners, uh, a great effort in itself to have four in the Cup. The Magic Man. Can he produce the magic and sulk him from barrier four and get him to jump? Um, I certainly hope so. He's, it sounds like he's in great form too. I'm not sure if you're aware, but six winners. Was it? Me, yeah, it was something. It's something like about twelve winners and about eighteen rides. Yeah. Jeez. So he's, he's either due to crumble or oh, he's due to it. keep it going. <laughs> yeah. So um, we'll try a few little different things with Sulkham. Just give him a good warm up. He normally gets ponied to the start. We might just try and give him a good canter down to the barriers and keep him on his toes before he goes in. Uh, blinkers come off and we're just desperate for him to begin on turns. If he does, um, he gave them six lengths in the Caulfield Cup and he got beaten about six lengths. Do you see him as being one of the top two, three in the market or in expectations to win a Melbourne Cup? Yeah, I do for sure. Obviously, huge respect for Gold Trip having won the race last year in the form he's come back in. And all the talks about Vauban, you can't you can't not hear that talk. So I think he's right up there. And um, whether he's in front of those two, I don't know. But he's certainly worth talking about a top three chance. The other trio may be a little long in the odds, and I know you've criticised a little bit the price of some of these horses. Shiraz, Magical Lagoon, more felons, two of those coming through the Geelong Cup. Uh, what would be your pick of that trio? I would say more felon still has a little bit of X factor about him. He's got the European um, build up. He's done all his work over there and he's a good, tough performer. And he's been running in the same races as Absurd and, and, and a few of the others. So his, his run at Geelong was good. He didn't get a lot go his way. Just need a touch of luck from the draw. And Magical Laguna, I'm just to the fact that she's by Galileo. Mm. She's a group one winner in Ireland and she'll bring some of that stamina, no doubt. And Shiraz, look, realistically, he's more a Sydney Cup type of horse, but I think he can run top 10. Outside of the Cup, you've got some really nice chances. Mr. Waterville, Jolly Star, Madame Pomery, Fine Point also. Um, who do you think is your best on the day? Probably Mr. Waterville. Um, he's drawn wide. They've, they've all drawn wide, in fact. Mm. Um, but he, he he's a he's a pretty good horse, and I'm hoping he could win. And um, Jolly Star, she's a nice filly to be watching. Um, just needs a touch of luck from that draw, but we expect to take her through the thousand guineas. And Madame Pomery was pretty unlucky at Caulfield. She um, just needs a touch of luck from the gate and fine points first up. Probably a little bit vulnerable first up. You got Wicklow in the big dance in Sydney with Tommy Berry uh, in the saddle. It'll be hard to beat there as well. Um, will you be at Flemington? I'm assuming you'll be at Flemington with four in the Cup tomorrow. It was unfortunate we didn't get to see you there after winning the Derby. But Charlie Duckworth did a great job uh, <laughs> with his acceptance speech. No, we'll be there to, on Tuesday. Uh, can't wait. Looking forward to it. it. Looks like it's going to be a great day. 
Best of luck, Chris. Well done again in the derby. Thanks, all. Chris Wallet joining us there. <clears throat> if he jumps is a big question. It's the biggest yeah. question of the race, really, isn't it, about um, the contenders? Because if he does, Shark, he's got to be one of the hardest to be. Well, he ha- he has to begin. And you watch that Caulfield Cup replay, you know, approaching the no, 600, 800. He's actually got nearly got the winners back. Mm. He's right there with without a fight. Gold Troop comes. They're sort of blending into the race together. Gets squeezed out of touch, but without a fight, ran away from Sulcombe. And you I can only that, put that down to that early expenditure of energy. Say, how much does that take out of a horse yeah. at the end of a race? Yeah, well... Sometimes not much, you know, where sometimes. they just flop out and then just slowly make up the margin, you know, over... 2,000 metres plus. So, Can I just say something very nice about Chris Waller? The track gallops on Tuesday, a gentleman called, when we were up in the grandstand there, a gentleman called Owen, who was there the year before, came up, had a chat with me, was very open and honest about his own mental battles and, you know, he had a, a lot going on and he uh, he asked if I could introduce him to Chris Waller and I said, well, try. And Chris was really busy clocking horses and Joe was there and it was all pretty hectic. But Chris spent at least six or seven minutes talking mm. to Owen when he found a moment and I, I was sort of earwigging the conversation. It was just a, just a lovely way he was able to quickly relate to something completely different to what he was focusing on and I think Owen will be eternally grateful to uh, Chris Waller for that chat. I think all of the biggest names in, in racing, especially during the spring carnival when it's their busiest period, are so unbelievably uh, giving of their time. <clears throat> Pardon me for the media as well, like Kieran Maher, uh, uh, Gay coming. Gay's Gay. about high fiving school kids. Well, last time I what saw about it? They stay back and do autographs. Mm. Uh, it's, I think they've it's come to very to realise. Good to see. Yeah, I agree, and I think they've come to realise that this is the time where their status gets a bit elevated, and and they have a little bit of an obligation. They feel a bit obliged, I think, to uh, represent themselves and the and and racing as best mm. they can. Uh, we need to take a break, boys, into nine o'clock. After that, we'll discuss the remainder of the Group 1s on Derby Day and then we'll count down to a runner-by-runner analysis of the 2023 Lexus Melbourne Cup. On RSN's Racing Pulse, this is The Verdict. Great to have your company on this Melbourne Cup Eve edition of The Verdict. Keep your SMSs coming through. Got a few here to read through. Hey, boys, I have the Caulfield Cup winner going into Vauban for a multi of 533 to 1. Should I cash out? No. Never cash well, what's, out. What's the potential win and what's the cash out? Option. Well, that hasn't mm. been included mm. there. So I'm assuming they've had ten or twenty bucks on it. The I would imagine that this year is a very good Melbourne Cup to just have a couple of little savers. I don't think there's fifteen that can win the Melbourne Cup. No. You might be able to just mm. back four others and sit back and be fairly confident. Never cash out, friend. Never. No, cash never. Out. Don't. It's un-Australian. It's wussy. <laughs> it's everything that's wrong. Um, because I think when we get to it, I, I think it's a very narrow race this year. I don't think many I, can win I think it. it. I think it is. I'm 53 years old and have been a racing fan since Taxan beat Arwen by a half head in the 78 Caulfield Cup. And without a doubt, Matt Hill is the best race caller since Bill Collins. I was in the car on Saturday and his call of the derby was sensational. I also loved his call of Declan Bates where he said... Um, uh, the bold or the brave. Yeah, fortune favours um, Fortune favours the brave because that was a brilliant ride. Interesting, just on that Declan Bates ride with Pride of Jenny, Michelle Payne said after the race that 
it may have only been a jockey like Declan Bates that could and would have had the guts to ride the race like that. Um, maybe some of the bigger name jockeys would have been too scared to ride what visually looks like a is poor it because race Declan ride. Bates was was probably not going to get another chance to well, ride it anyway? Yeah, yeah. You never know. Like, um, did, did she go as quick as she looked like she was going? She may have, but sometimes they just set a margin and then they go their own tempo. So. Did, I think she did. When you're leading, deny knowledge by six or yeah. seven lengths, and the the last two hundred, I think, was a couple of the slowest mm. in the entire meet. God bless her for hanging on. So to the eight hundred, she went eleven lengths. Faster than average, right? So she was humming. Yep. Well, that yeah, and and Kieran Ma, you know, there's little tidbits you pick up. Uh, and when we interviewed him up at the Yearling Sale, he, he mentioned that she's got massive grand final runs in her, but she can't repeat. Um, so that was no surprise. She's got the ability to do that. You know, it wasn't a, an aberration at all. I thought a tissue was enormous, um, making. All the ground. And interesting to see that she's going to back up Sharky because she backed up brilliantly to win the Matriarch last yeah. year, but it was a lot softer run in the Empire Rose. Obviously, Chris Waller's only going to run her if she's right, but I wonder how much that will take out of her. Well, oddly, she was one of few to make ground in that race. Like, a lot of them were sort of in that forward of midfield position on settling, whereas tissue was out the back and roaring home. If, if they're going to take on the... Uh, the big horses in the champion stakes. I think you needed to see a run like that to give have, you confidence to go that way. Have we got Declan Bates's grab, Mikey? Yeah. Let's play that. Yeah, look, she, we know how she runs. It's a matter of just sort of executing that right. It can be a bit of a balancing act. And, you know, I was actually quite happy we drew the outside gate because it just meant I didn't have to worry about anything to my outside having to dig up and hold them out. It was just a matter of let her flow to the front nice and easy and she got there, she was in my hands a lot. I was I was a bit worried midway. She wasn't quite coming back underneath me and relaxing in the way I thought, but her hold. She just has such an engine, she can, she can keep running. Do you think that could be the start of Declan getting major rides in big races? He's been a good jockey. That's his second group one, but the depth of the jockey ranks here is so strong that you don't normally see Declan Bates in big races all the time. He's in the right part of the state. He's a Ballarat-based jockey. Uh, that's where Mar used to have a lot of horses. Um, he's a very strong ally of the Archie Alexanders of this world. So those who use him know how good he is. It's just a matter of, yeah, just expanding his portfolio a bit to, to other trainers. Uh, he doesn't really do much riding in the east of the state. So he's probably seen more as a Ballarat, Warrnambool, you know, that, that sort of area uh, when it comes to the country circuit. Well, if you want a jockey to make something happen, that's the, <laughs> that's the guy who's going to go if you and want take a, it on an inf- the back of that, If you want it? an enforcer. <laughs> um, but, yeah, no, it was, uh, as Michelle said, maybe she's right. Maybe the Declan Bateses of this world can afford to throw caution to the wind. It was an interesting holding pattern, wasn't it? Um, Deny Knowledge held her ground. She ran really well. I think Gay's done a great job with Alcohol Free. I think she ran relatively well. She was surprisingly well backed. I thought Alcohol Free. Um, funny race. There was it was a bit on pace on Saturday. The whole day was on pace, um, and a few races like the Coolmore in this race, um, they kind of 
diminished once the gates opened because they became holding patterns. Like to me, the Coolmore was a race that I mean I was wrapped because I had something on the winner, but you very early on you knew that a lot of horses were going to battle to break the mould of the race. So, and maybe was, this race was, was disappointing. Um, I think they said he's come to the end of his preparation, yeah. but that was he was a shadow of what we've seen him do in Sydney and. I felt for Lloyd Kennewell and Lucy Yeomans. Oh. They've done everything right with Iron Unstoppable except win a, perfect, a big race. Perfect prep towards that grand final. And, yeah, unfortunately for them, probably a lack of pressure on the leader might have might have brought them unstuck there. It was a good ride, great prep. Just found one better again. But nothing could win at the halfway mark other than the winner. It was just the way the race was run. You could just tell that they were in that sort of a almost like a wagon train type sort of look to the race where the winner was just jogging along. And Rachel King, I, I, I said to her yesterday, I said, well, how early were you confident? She said 100 metres after the start. Mm. I just knew. So I, I put a big forgive through every runner almost because I think it was one of those weird races where it it's a, a bit unfortunate. It can happen up the straight sometime where you don't get a real feel for the the comp, you know, who, you know, run it 10 times, what happens type thing. But you, you've got to give credit to Derby um, Racing. They oh. continue to find... How much did Osmosis cost, Sharky? Uh, bear with me. I wouldn't have thought he would have been cheap being a zoo star out Well, of he's the family. fourth generation of the family to win the Coolmore. Doesn't the pedigree go back to some amazing mare? Like, what was the... I think there was an amazing story about... 250000 for Osmosis. What's Osmosis he worth now? Osmosis is out of a mare called No More Tears... So she was a Group 3 winner in New Zealand. It's a family of uh, Hips Don't Lie. That's Acrobats, that Lindsay Park family. Lake that... Geneva, Rennes Hill. So it's a, it's a pretty well-established sprinting family. Mm. Uh, I wonder if Peter and Paul Snowden were sitting back going, what might have been with King's Gambit, uh, who gave him absolute windburn last start up in, in Sydney. Yeah, different scenario, though. There was more pressure on Osmosis in that race, and uh, as we've discussed, there was no pressure on him at all in, in that race, and he was able to you know, get away with it in front. So it might not have been as straightforward as King's Gambit would have beaten him again. Interesting the barriers, like Osmosis drew in but came up the middle. Second horse drew 10. Shinzo was hanging off the edge of the field in two. Then the barriers, 13, 15, 12, 14, 16, the next one's along. So there was a real advantage to be in a certain part of the track. There's no doubt about that. And look, it's a sprinter's race. You know, this, this want to drop back after the guineas, it's just too difficult for those horses that have been wasn't set for a mile. V8? No, he wasn't. He ran really well, but he didn't win. And he never really looked like winning. And I, I think and she light she light had excuses, but... Similarly. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah, no, I, I think he's... sprinter's race. Weekend Hustler did it, I think, but uh, you've got to be a weekend hustler to do it. Well, exactly. Mm. Mm. Uh, what about the Oaks boys for, uh, after the Wakeful? God uh, bless Amazonian lass. Beautiful ride, Tim Clark. He is um, arguably the best front-running rider in Australia. He, he put on a, a clinic on Saturday, as Gay and Adrian Bott did as well. Uh, Zardozzi, another 50 metres she probably wins. She was really strong and, uh, strong. and then this X-Factor filly that we spoke about, Sharky, on Friday, um, Athel Flat. Um, she what was, a weird name. She was the green... It's, it's named a, uh, after a Saxon yeah, warrior. Saxon warrior, exactly. It's It was a flashing light run, Sharky. What a weird name for a Saxon warrior. Round. <laughs> hey, Athelflaed. Yeah, she, she was really good from the back of the field, wasn't she? But, yeah, you've got an extra 500 metres to go in an Oaks. That's true. But I've just got a feeling that Amazonian Lass might be one of those horses that just keeps going. You know, she can run 
really even, strong sectionals throughout her races, and she's got a kick at the end of them. I know Zardozzi, as you said, probably wins in another couple of strides, but I wouldn't like to be standing Amazonian lass two or three lengths at the 300 of the Oaks on Thursday. I think she's pretty tough. I think she probably just repeats. Gay Waterhouse, why didn't... We, why weren't we smart enough to realise that Gay Waterhouse front runners in these sort of races usually win? Some Track of us was, did realise. Oh, good on you, Sharp. <laughs> well, what maybe Amazonian Lass is just the rock hard, slightly better than average filly who comes out and wins the Oaks. Oh, I hope so. Yeah, maybe yeah, absolutely. That's, maybe well, that's the reality. What about the Zardozzi's not much good? Harlow Mist was whacked away. Oh, what though? Harlow Mist looks like they're all plotters. an autumn filly. Yeah. I think physically, when you looked at them in the mounting, I thought, oh, well, she's not even. Here, she's sort of half a horse at the moment. So she might be the one in the autumn that really elevates. It have just you, might be the race that's won by the... Have forgotten about the stable, mate? The rock-hard fit. Um, Tropical squall. Wow. You know where they'll be in running. They'll be right it. up there on yep. speed. Now, who will be leading the Oaks? Oh, well, they'll find an order pretty quickly, I'd imagine. So she's a group one winner in the <laughs> flight stakes, and she just got run down in the ethereal. So you're obviously previously invested, Sharky, so you're coloured. Well, a, a completely... Bias opinion, mine, yeah. But go Amazonian last. The Wakeful is the best form lead into the Oaks. Um, I'm not giving up on the fourth filly. I think she'll be very hard to beat over 1400, especially if it is a 2500, especially if it's a you can have it, you can have it 14 (laughs) solidly run race. Um, are we gonna do we bore each our listeners with engaging in the 2000 or 2500 debate with the Oaks and the Derby? Uh, we had no, a, I, a bit of a run I, yesterday. I, I don't see the point, it's not going to change. And I think if it does change now, it's too much of the same. We've got the spring champion uh, a week earlier over 2000 meters for three year olds. So, my personal opinion is, um, Leave it as it is. Why, why not? You've got horses. It was a thrilling finish. They may not be superstars mm. in the end, but it was a thrilling finish, a thrilling race. And do we want the same same every week? Just the, Yeah, look, I don't have a firm opinion either way, but having such low-level horses more often than not fighting out such famous races, I don't find very... It doesn't sit that well with me that we... Like, like yesterday, Saturday was a really, really good race meeting. There's no doubt it was Derby Day, but it was all about the Coolmore. The races that you could easily have nearly ignored were the Oaks lead up and the Derby, you know, had it not been for the finish. So well, there's something a bit unsettling for me that the race that has this revered name, like the Oaks and the Derby, are often races that we take little notice of. But these staying three-year-olds, you don't know yeah, how good they are. But, but, but the got f- horses that are having their fourth runs but in Michael, these races. History says, tends to prove 12 months down the track that they're still not much good. You know, you might say, oh, gee, Riff Rocket might turn out to be rising fast, but history says that you look at back at it after 12 months and they haven't gone on to anything. They really haven't. So, Well, maybe the winners haven't, but you do usually get a couple of nice horses. Yeah, but is that a way to judge a race that the fifth horse comes out and wins a Liverpool City Cup? When do we see, have a look at our Melbourne Cup. How many stayers start their careers and end up elite stayers here? So you kind of talking down the race because it doesn't have the quality in it. Well, but if it was 2,000 metres, we might be able to manufacture the the right type of candidates for it. So what goes there then if it's 2,000 metres? Because all the Guineas horses want to go to the Coolmore, evidently. Well, they don't. One or two did. Sheelight. Yeah. It looks like the most. Yeah, but Sheelight had the Derby been at 2,000 metres. But had the Derby been at 2,000 metres, Sheelight would have pressed onto the Derby. 
But why do you want to have a two? I'm not. I'm leader. being devil's advocate. I don't have it an opinion like either. Argue, way. No, I'm just trying to. Uh, I'm you just trying to provide a counter. Yeah. I just I'm trying to articulate what the other argument is. I don't doesn't worry me either way, but uh, uh, I just didn't. I, it seems a bit of a shame that every Derby Day, the race that we're least interested in is the Derby. That's your personal opinion. Uh, most people, I think, would agree because most most years it's an average race. I mean, it's a great race day. Don't bat me around the ears, VRC, but. I think it's a lively debate ongoing with the derby because of the very discussion we're having. Tatsu's derby was pretty good finish. It was. A, you can a, pluck an anything out horse. of the haystack, Michael. No, but I, but you <laughs> say you find the derby the derby race the most boring race on Derby Day, no, which I think is a ridiculous statement. Uh, no, I don't think it is. I think a lot of people would agree, but I don't think that reflects badly on Derby Day. I'm just saying that the weakest seven times out of ten. It is the equivalent of a Friday night three-year-old race at Mooney Valley. Oh, you're That's, talking rubbish! But I'm not, Michael. Have a look at have a look at the runners. Have a look at where, where they come from. A, a Friday night meeting at Mooney Valley. Marginally better. Oh, yeah. But I think that this is why it's you're a good. You're speaking a, like a man who lost a fortune on Saturday. You actually won a fortune on Saturday. Thank God, I can't believe it. you're saying so nothing. Don't don't say what I'm not saying because I get so much. <laughs> backlash Don't say what from you're not saying you're saying it. No, no, no. <laughs> I'm just saying that mouth. more often than not, the argument against the the derby being the distance it is is that it would probably be a, almost certainly be a stronger race befitting the derby title if it was two thousand meters. But, but you weigh be, that up against but shush, you weigh that up against the history and the and all those sorts of things. But if you bring it back to two thousand meters, it doesn't lose the two hundred years of history. Everyone says, oh, but the history of 2,500. No, the race I'm, still has a 200-year history. But what I'm saying is you've got a, a race that is exactly that a week before in Sydney. Yeah, well, but we can't control what Peter Volandis does in Sydney either. You know, you can't just react and counter-react to what, what's going on elsewhere. you just got to focus on what you're doing and what best suits. So... Move on. Bring it back to 2,000. No, no, I'm not. I'm just trying to say that this is an interesting discussion because there are two sides to the debate. Uh, Without you planting stupid... Stuart's on, a narc. Stuart yeah. needs to back his arguments with facts, not emotions. Mm. Do we have to listen to an hour of Stuart criticising everything? Well, you've got to remember Friday night, uh, prior to Jenny, got run down last few strides, nearly a track record time. She's very smart, rides to instructions from Kieran Ma. I disagree with you, Matt. Um... Uh, where is there? Uh, we love the derby every year, regardless of the fields. just a great race. That's from Lex. Um, anyway... Uh, there's a few other SMSs there. Uh, All I'm saying to sum up is I can see that there are two arguments. And I was just, you had one position. I was just saying, well, the other position is B. All right. What about Jamie Carr? Let's talk about something you love to talk about. I, I thought it was... I'll cop it on the SMS for that too. It was yeah, great yeah. to... <laughs> you had to retire. <laughs> no, no. Oh, Matt's been her greatest... <laughs> Matt's been her greatest champion. Now, regardless of whether you think she wasn't in form... Or just had to get on the cattle. Riding poorly. Yeah. One thing you couldn't argue with is that she wasn't riding as many winners as what we're used to seeing. And I think you could see <laughs> the relief you... on anyway. her face, Sharky, with those both wins. And uh, the big names stand up on the big days. A double on Derby Day, I think that would have been a weight off his shoulders. Oh, absolutely. It just sets up the rest of the week, doesn't it? I wish she would have just narrowly not got there in the last. Oh, but anyway, same, uh, same. I was cussing her in the last. <laughs> well, Don't make, about that. Munamek should have won the last. There are, there are a few Hutchie. in that boat. But, mm. no, great, great to see her back in form. And uh, let's hope it continues tomorrow, Melbourne Cup Day, when everybody's watching. Let's hope she's there and... And uh, 
has a blinder again. Well, it's interesting. She's only got five rides from ten races. That would have been unheard of 12 months ago. Oh, yeah, but they were pre-booked before she shot the lights out. No, on but Saturday. that's what it, mm. we, the mm. discussion and the debate is about. What you're saying, she's not getting the rides that she was getting. So you're on the broadcast tomorrow. Do you grab Jamie in between time? When she's Have you scheduled in some time to grab her and make use of her on air in between races? Or, you know, given that she only has five out of... Well, we'd love to, absolutely. Um, it is hard to, you know, Jamie's a little media shy. Post-race, she's great. Uh, we'd love to have a chat to her tomorrow. So um, but, we, the, we'll do our best. And the two winners she had were, they weren't just winners, they were well-executed winners as well. Like mm. Spacewalk, she had to sort of do that weird mathematical equation when you got the, the yeah. mad front runner and when do I go? And she just did, it was vintage Jamie Carr, the way she nailed that. And then blousing me in the last on course for concern. So... They're, look, who knows what was going on in her own mind. She came off a really bad injury and all that sort of thing. But to me, there wasn't much evidence other than she needed to get on the right cattle. She got that on Saturday and she completely nailed it. Mm. And Damien Oliver just reminded all of us uh, that uh, he might be getting towards the end of his career, but there is no way in the world uh, he is uh, riding any poorly. Uh, that, that race... The archer on Carlipur, he just, just oh. he just outrode everyone. Yeah. They were all sitting around waiting, waiting. He said, "You know what? I'm going to take the lead." Yeah, and then polar opposite, I guess, with Queen of the Balls, sat back on a horse that's got really good natural speed, sat back, assessed things, let them do their thing up in front, and then swept home late. So he's he's just outstanding. He's certainly the the jockey of my generation, um, reliving his. Derby win on Saturday morning on Reading in 1992. I was nine years old. It's remarkable when you have that longevity and have been interested in the sport like from that period all the way through. To think that there's been one figure that continues to perform at that elite level for that long, it's it is mind boggling, isn't and, it? Mate? And that he crossed over careers of jockeys that have long gone retired. Like he rode in the era of the tail end of Harry White and Roy Higgins. Yeah. You know, like, that's bizarre to think that he dates back that far. He wouldn't like us to remind him that he dates back that far, but... Well, fingers crossed he will have his final uh, ride. I think it'll be his 32nd ride in the Melbourne Cup, which is insane um, when you think about it that way. Alan Kerr is getting vet tested this morning at 10.30. The news coming out yesterday, he's got a, a, a stone bruise. Um, so we'll endeavour to have a chat to Mike Moroni after 10.30. All of the Melbourne Cup runners will have their final veterinary inspections today, but that news coming out yesterday puts an even bigger uh, question mark over Alan Kerr. Fingers crossed he will be past fit because we'd love to see Ollie um, in his final Melbourne Cup. Speaking of... And, and yep. not the worst 100-to-1 chance or 50-to-1 chance either. He's run at Mooney Valley. Was Ollie would be really hoping that he passes the vets test because he's not just in the race he's he's kind of in the race if you know what I mean. Yeah I think he's a top 10 chance mm. I'm not sure if I could see him winning but we will get your thoughts after the break because we will take a break. Kieran Ma will have a chat with him, dissect his Melbourne Cup um, runners and also Willie Mullins On RSN's Racing Pulse this is The Verdict Great to have your company on The Verdict today. We've got a lot of SMSs to get through. We'll get to those in a moment because we've got Kieran Ma on the line. Another great day at the office for Kieran and Dave on Saturday. The Group 1 Empire Rose with Pride of Jenny. An emotional win uh, with the family background as well. And what about the performance of Bella Nipotina, mm. who absolutely grew wings in the last 100 metres to win the Giggy Kick? And Kieran and Dave have five runners saddling up in the Melbourne Cup tomorrow. Kieran, good morning. 
Morning. Morning, guys. Uh, well done on Saturday, first of all, before we talk about your cup runners. Um, did you see that type of performance coming from Bella Nipatina, the way that she was able to sprint that last 100 when she saw daylight? Well, she's, she's always had an electric turn of foot, but it's, um, it's, it's quite short. So um, it was like the perfect storm for her, really. Like, um, it was beautiful because she can blunder the start sometimes, and Craig knows her very well. And fortunately, got her out got her out really well and took a position in the race and then just getting held up I think was the you know was ideal but doesn't always happen you know that way but it was it was ideal for her because if you do wait for that for that sprint she does have a you know an electric one and uh, it was a pretty thrilling race wasn't it and it's funny the little things desperate punters like me sort of just remember when we spoke to you at the yearling sale in Sydney about Pride of Jenny, she put in a monster run and uh, up in Sydney and you said she can do that, but she's probably only got one monster run in her each preparation because she, whatever, I can't remember what you said, maybe she's a bit delicate in some ways, but that was the, she's put in some other good runs this preparation, but that was probably the monster run on Saturday. Well, it was a monster run at the Valley actually. Yeah. Um, she uh, only, I think, under a very good ride by Damien Lane on uh, Amelia's on Amelia's Jewel um, uh, Dream that um, uh, you know she, she was able to wound, wind her in, um, yeah. and and they broke a record to do it. Um, and yeah, I did say that to you that you know normally she puts in one monster run, but. The team have done a good job with her, and she's an older, more seasoned mare, and you know she's out of she's been able to pull out two massive runs this prep, and uh, yeah, that was phenomenal on Saturday. Uh, Flemington's always tougher, um, just with the way she races to do it. You know, there's nowhere to hide at Flemington, and and uh, yeah, she was unbelievable, um, and uh, massive for um, Tony and Lynn. They mm. put a lot in, and. Um, She's always threatened to win a big one and fantastic. Oh, they could win one on Derby Day. Just a huge result for them, isn't it, Kieran? The amount of money they put into it. They're not the big, huge name owners, but their colours are so well known. The the Jenny uh, prefix of the names are, are so abundant, I guess, particularly in Victoria. It must have meant a hell of a lot to them. Yeah, yeah. especially, you know, uh, they breed, breed their own and, um, like you said, you know, they put a they put a hell of a lot in. Mm. Um, so, um, yeah, you know, they were absolutely thrilled. Just on the cup, Kieran, gold trip. Um, I was talking to the guys in Perth Radio earlier about how, you know, history is always against a, a horse trying to repeat with top weight and so on. But whether history matters as much these days as it used to with different weight scales and your training regime and so on, does how – much weight do you put on the difficulty of him going back to back with top weight? Uh, it, well, it is a handicap, um, but you know, Jamie Lovett said on Saturday, and you know, it sort of resonated pretty well. When you when you got weight for age horses in handicaps, you know, they generally they generally you know handle themselves pretty well. But 
I'm certainly more confident than last year, um, just the fact that he's done it. I, I just had a little question on, on how strong he'd be at the two miles. Um, but now he's done it, and just the prep he's had, you know, I could be happy with it. The little prospect of, you know, a storm or two around as well would probably just be adding to that, I would have thought. Yeah, that, that that would be the perfect storm. The perfect storm would be the perfect storm. Kieran, how have you turned around? I backed him in the Sydney Cup and he was beaten out of sight. Uh, and that was going back to April on his preferred ground. What's happened since? That's I know you got his feet right and so on. What's What's been the difference between the Sydney Cup gold trip and the second Melbourne Cup gold trip? Um it's just it's just in a in a better spot, you know. Whether the you know, like he had three quick 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 runs last spring, and whether that sort of had an effect on the autumn or not, um, he certainly just has come up better, and he has from sort of he, he doesn't have very long off at all. I think he had a couple of weeks. Um, uh, but yeah, he's just from right from the start of this preparation. He's just been in really good order and was always um, going to have a better prep than the autumn. So from gate two, is it just bury back midfield on the fence and and save your pennies for gold trip, and then hope that it all opens up as uh, those that don't have his staying prowess start to tire? Yeah, well, I, like. I said to someone, uh, they said, what barrier? I said, well, you're never going to give up a good barrier. Um, and, yeah, he'll just be where comfortable. And the Melbourne Cup, you, you never really see horses that are uh, that unlucky. Um, generally, you know, decent staying race. They, The better ones, all the horses that are going all right tend to find their way to the front. Um, so, yeah, just hope for a smooth run. Who do you think's your second seed? Because Ashran... Uh, he's a fairy tale story. The way you've been able to get him back, he was good last start. Future history with Holly Doyle is probably your obvious runner, but you've been able to sneak interpretation into the race, and and right you are. I don't know about him at thirty two hundred, but he wasn't disgraced in the Caulfield Cup. Well, his two mile and a half runs have been his best rating races. So, uh, yeah, like before this prep, if you had a said we'll go into a Melbourne Cup, I've I would have questioned it, but he, like you said, he had a phenomenal run in the Caulfield Cup, um, and both his mother and father have run in the Melbourne mm. Cup, um, which not many horses have that on their CV. So he's probably got just as good a chance as any. But my second seed answer to your question, uh, I, I can't really split Ashron in future history. Will you put the pressure on with future history? Um, with Holly Doyle, only 50 kilos. Um, uh, we think that the favourite Vauban will be right up there on speed. Is that where you'd like to see future history? Uh, yeah, like he... I was actually hoping at the barrier draw that he drew two and um, gold trip to 12 or 13 or whatever it was. Um, but, yeah, he'll, he naturally puts himself forward... You know, especially when you got that weight, uh, you want to be reasonably prominent. And uh, yeah, great to get Holly on board. Um, she's she's already got a relationship with with uh, one of the owners, Peter Trainer. And um, uh, there's, there's 
there's hardly a stronger rider out there than Holly. So hopefully uh, she gets a bit of a bit of luck and can win can win it. We had Peter Trainer in the studio for uh, an hour or so this morning with Andrew Bensley. He said. Um, He's a he's a stout Irishman who, who can go pretty hard, but he said he got knocked over by Kieran Ma this week. Um, Says he's learned his lesson. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think he's um, he's been uh, holding up the bar ever since he got here. He's been having a good time. Uh, <laughs> no, he's a great fella and uh, he's a likable bloke as well. All right, Kieran. So confidence levels with uh, with Gold Trip. Yeah, very confident. Um, I watched the two Irish horses work out at Werribee the other day. They're, they're both in good order, and and uh, all the Mullins has arrived there. Well, actually, when I was there on Saturday, and uh, they all seemed pretty up and about. So uh, it should be a pretty good race. A lot of Irish around. It might be time for your old man to crank up the folk band again at some stage, Kieran, unless he's done it already. I think he has been back on the piano accordion. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> this is his go, isn't it? This is his time of year. He's sort of, he's sort of semi-retired. Yeah, he's been, uh, been doing a few gigs down there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Kieran, good luck to you uh, and Dave and the entire team. Uh, five runners. Uh, I think he had five last year as well. It's just a, a phenomenal effort. First and third last year. Uh, who knows what you might be able to do tomorrow. Uh, just for the punters out there, you've got an interesting first starter called... Uh, Oddenson uh, goes around in the first. Uh, can that kick uh, Cup Day off with a win? It can. Um, well, yeah, definitely can. But with the two-year-olds, there's always a few spruiks around. But that also had two trials, trialled very well uh, both times. Um, and Buck Shin jumped on him the other morning and uh, galloped him at Cranbourne, worked nicely. And, yeah, it hasn't been down the straight, but... I'd say he'll acquit himself pretty well. Hey, Kieran, was it one of your horses down at Mordialic Beach the other day? There was a beautiful photo taken of just a couple of bathers or walkers who met one of your famous horses. Was that one of your horses, that photo? <laughs> yeah, that was... Um, that was... Uh, Reece Murphy was down there with his rug out and um, <laughs> one of his... Uh, <laughs> uh, some friends of his or something it was down there in the bikini and uh, it was Gold Trip. And, it was Gold Trip, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It, was, it was Gold Trip, so they were... They were yeah, it was, it was quite a, uh, what a unique photo. Well, I live across the road, and it, it, I nearly could have snuck into the frame in me budgie smugglers. It might have been the ultimate photo then. <laughs> that would have been. Yeah, yeah, it might not have got wide circulation. Yeah, but anyway. It might have been a late <laughs> yeah, circulation. Yeah, airbrush, a bit of an airbrush happening, yeah. yeah. Gold trip would Good have on you, mate. Scratching. Good luck to you and the whole family and the whole crew, uh, and see how you go on, the, on t- tomorrow. Oh, just on that, have all your horses been vetted uh, as yet this morning, Kieran? Uh, yeah, they've all, I'm just at the trials here at Cranbourne and the vets have all uh, been through. I haven't had an update, but I'm sure I would have heard something if yep. there was an issue. I'd say we're, we're good to go. Good work. See you at Flemington tomorrow. Good luck, Kieran. Yeah, thank you. Uh, so, Gold Trip, defending champion, 58.5 kilos. The last one to carry that was Think Big back in 75, I, I think. And a little interesting stat, he'll be the first horse in the history of the Melbourne Cup, if he can win, to have won the Cup as top weight two years in a row. Uh, is weight a burden, Sharky, or is it... I don't think so. Not this year. I don't think it's a burden. Uh, you Look at him on ratings. He's a 122 handicap rater. The majority of these are struggling to get into the, the teens, really.
without a fight's the nearest to him at 118. He's only got two kilos there. He's, I don't think he's badly weighted. He can win. If he gets the right run, he can win again. $6.50 chance, Matty. Is he mm. in your top three? Yeah, I think so. Uh, the history, I have no interest in the historical reasons why he can't win because it's a different era. It's, you know, restricted weight scale, the ma magic and all that. I, I don't think he's worried about whether, of the historicals part of it. So I just back Kieran in. He's a very good quality horse. He's got him right. He's come back in unbelievable form. He set him that task of the Caulfield Cup, Cox Plate, Melbourne Cup, and he's happy he's done it. He feels that the horses. Uh, had the right uh, preparation into the race. Um, yeah, he can carry 58.5 kilos and win his second cup, absolutely. Alan Kerr, number two, is a 40-to-1 chance. It will be vet-tested this morning at 10.30 to see if he takes his start. If he does, Sharky, where do you see him finishing? He's a mile off his best European form. And I know there's been some encouraging signs in the uh, Caulfield Stakes and Mooney Valley Cup, but, you know, please, that, that is so far off his best form. Which is a shame because he was a, a Group One horse in in Europe. We haven't seen anything like it here. He was good at the Valley. He was really good. And I remember we were talking to Ollie at the OB about about Alan Kerr, and he said, "Not the Valley. Next start, and next starts the Melbourne Cup. If he comes through, I actually think he's creeping back to form. And I know Mike Moroni says he's absolutely flying the horse. So he's got a bizarre sneaky chance. I don't know what where that puts him in the race, but. It all going well and he gets through the vet test, I think he'll actually run a really huge race, Alan Kerr. Uh, I'd love to see him in the finish. I think he's a top 10. I can't see him a top three or four. Uh, number three is without a fight, uh, the Caulfield Cup. Winner, $6 for Mark Zara. Drawn 16. Is the gate any concern for you, Sharky? He had a beautiful no. run in the Caulfield Cup. Yeah, he did. I, I don't think it's a bad gate. I think it gives him the chance to have a very similar run to the Caulfield Cup. He can be just off midfield with room to move, blend into the race for Mark Zara. Look, he was super strong from the 600 in that Caulfield Cup. He was right in the market last year when he got a wet track and he doesn't handle the wet ground. Uh, I think he's an absolute winning chance. I reckon he. I'm surprised it was a sixty forty this way for Mark Zara. I thought it. I thought he would have stuck with Gold Trip to be honest. With the Mar factor, nothing wrong with the Anthony and Sam Friedman factor either. But then you you think of the 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 the, the checkered campaign he had leading into the Caulfield Cup, and he only went into it second up. And maybe the clincher for Mark Zara was an assurance from the Friedmans that he's got so much improvement out of the Caulfield Cup that that can be the only rationale. I think. Barrier's perfect. They they win from out there, don't they? Shark yeah. Melbourne Cups. That's the that's the not a bad place to draw out there and just sort of come in and get a bit of cover. Uh, I I think he's made the wrong call, um, but I don't think he's without a chance, without a fight. I think he's definitely top three. Um, 3,200 metres, no concern. Hasn't been there, Sharky. He looks strong at the end of the no worries mile and a half. No worries at all. He's $6. Breakup is the Japanese galloper. He's an $18 chance. Jumps from barrier 18, Sharky. My big concern is the prep before he arrived in Australia. You know, he's got Tenno show form around Justin Palace, who's run well to Equinox. That is good enough form. But has he had the ideal preparation? I know they said he's improved, but he needed he should have improved out of Caulfield because he looked like he was in desperate need of the run there. I I would be surprised if he won. And D Lane off, Matsuyama on. No, you know, D Lane's the magic man down here. I just don't think he 
he just needed to finish a couple of lengths closer and stronger in the Caulfield Cup for me. This race has got a bit of a tail, so maybe he does. He certainly probably fits into the top eight or nine, but I'm scared of the Japanese horses, but I'm not wasn't impressed enough with the Caulfield Cup, I don't think. Yeah, I think he's a top five chance. I think he can improve. Uh, I'm not sure if he can beat um, the top couple in the market, but I wouldn't be surprised to see him sneak a place break up. Isn't it funny how margins and form lines don't really equate? Like, he was beaten seven lengths by Equinox in the Terracuza Kinnon and 5.7 lengths in the, in, in the Caulfield Cup. So he's run about equal. One was behind Equinox. So mm. you can get a bit carried away by beaten margins and all that sort of stuff, you know? Well, you can indeed. Uh, well, the cup favourite, Vauban, we're about to have a chat to Willie Mullins who can talk us through. Uh, he's been all the talk, all the rage. He's the $4.20 favourite. Uh, and you go back and have a look at his form lines and he's a, a Group 1 winner over the jumps, but he was also getting uh, beaten in Group 1 races by Constitution Hill. I wonder what Constitution Hill could do in a Melbourne Cup as we say good morning to Willie Mullins. Great to see you back in Australia, Willie. Morning. Great, great to be back here. Yes, things going well here so far. Yeah, it's amazing looking at the the vintage crop type profile of jumps racing and flat racing, Willie. Uh, and we've we've become accustomed to learning that there's no knock on a Melbourne Cup contender having hurdle form. And these are Hall of Fame races, aren't they? Honeysuckle, Constitution Hill, and State Man at Leopardstown and and Cheltenham. Just, I just want to talk about that because our listeners who are focused on the flat in the Melbourne Cup may not understand the the cult following of the the Constitution Hills and the Honeysuckles. What what was it like um, being engaged in races with those absolute legends? Well, you know, as you say, they're legends. They were hard to beat. Um, you've got to take them on, and. It, you know, when you're coming up against those type of horses, it's very hard. But, um, uh, you know, it's good for racing uh, because they have such a cult following. Um, the way people, fo- you know, the way people follow your good horses down here, we do the same. Um, jumping is a different game in in Ireland, England and France than it is uh, down in Australia. Uh, you know, different type of ground, different, uh, probably different quality of horses. Um it's a it's a huge game over there, and that's the thing, Willie. I think a lot of people look at the form of Vorban and Absurd, see them over the jumps, and think, "Oh, geez, how, what's this thing like?" Because in Australia, it's effectively recycled horses that are too slow for the flat. Other way around, in your neck of the woods, these are fast horses. They're class horses, and there's big money in the jumps racing. There is, and uh, but you must remember that our my two flat horses that I've done here. Uh, you know, they started off on the flat, yeah, and. Um, when we go to buy those type of horses, we always have an eye on a Melbourne Cup uh, because we, they, you know, they have enough speed maybe to win a mile and a quarter on the flat, and uh, we can turn them into sort of two mile horses over jumps, and then go back on the flat the following season. And um, you know, fortunately this year we have two, but it's very, it's getting more difficult to buy them because uh, obviously the Australians are always raiding. Europe for those type of horses to, to bring down for your staying races down here. And now the Middle Eastern race have come in because there's huge prize money in, in mile and a half and two mile races in the Middle East. Um, so jump trainers like me find it very difficult now to get um, to get that type of animal with a, with a sort of a hundred flat rating or maybe more. Uh, for the type of money we used to get it. But uh, there we are. We're, we're mm. lucky enough we have two this season. That gallop that Vauban and 
absurd had at Flemington on Tuesday, I, I think it, it, it sort of steeled in the minds of those of us who hadn't seen much of these horses uh, that there might be a gap between them. And there was certainly a gap between them and the gallop. And Vauban is big, strong, chestnut beast of a horse. Uh, the market in the last 48 hours has brought your two runners a bit closer together. Uh, you know, something like um, $4 and $12 when it was $3.20 and $18. Is that reflective of a, a bit of market realignment and, and maybe that the gap between the two of them in the context of this handicap race is probably not as broad as the market suggests? Um, certainly, there were. Uh, he was a very generous price at 20 to 1. Um, I think absurd, uh, but I didn't realise he tightened up so much, um, and that's probably more realistic. I think. Uh, you know, he's been doing everything nicely. So has, you know, the two of them have been doing everything nicely. But uh, I imagine absurd caught a few eyes the other morning uh, when I was out there doing the final bit of work. So maybe that's just reflection on that bit of work. I think. Be a great headline. Absurd Melbourne Cup. Something <laughs> the, 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 it would be a, a newspaper editor's delight if absurd won. Yes, well, um, I'd be delighted if one of them win. You know, we, we just um, we just need uh, everything has gone right so far. So as long as it just keeps going that way now, so, and um, two top two top pilots on board. You know, Ryan Moore and Zach Burton. So very happy with our choice. Racing patterns. Will Vorman uh, be probably up? nearer the speed or, or somewhere in the first third of the field at least? What about absurd? Has it got the speed to take a position or do you expect him to balance up a little bit midfield or just thereof? I imagine we, you know, we won't be hanging back anyhow if, if mm. both of them break. We just take our positions and ride it from there. I won't be giving my jockeys instructions really just for the only instruction to get out the gate and get into a position and mm. take it from there themselves you know I, I don't like tying jockeys down to instructions well, they he know had... the opposition better than I do and um, so I let them work it out uh, Willie is it difficult for you to try and compare them against the opposition even though you know a lot of these gallopers from their European careers like a gold trip uh, uh, a sulcum um, without a fight even as well how would you compare Vauban I um, I haven't really looked at the form of the other horses. You know, I just take it. They have their handicap marks, and um, that's what we have to beat. Uh, but I think both of my horses could be improvers, and that's probably what you need to win a big handicap. You know, you need something just uh, improving. I think both of them are showing, showing in their races and showing us down here that they could be improving. Um, Willie, I think one thing that I'm noticing about this Melbourne Cup is the human star element is almost greater than the horses, and I'm not just yourself, but the jockeys. Like to have James McDonald, Damien Oliver, Zara, Ryan Moore, whose Breeders' Cup win was, it's like he blew the whistle. Joe Marira, Zach yeah. Purton, Holly Doyle, Jamie Carr. It's an amazing collection of... We, I don't think we've ever had quite that mix in a in a race before. Uh, the only one missing is Frankie. Yes, I believe he's here, but uh, not riding. So um, that's disappointing. But um, he'll he'll add his bit of razzmatazz as he always does when he when he arrives. So final word, Willie. Um, two kilos separate Vauban and obviously absurd uh, as far as the handicapper is concerned. If they both get 
even luck in running, uh, who do you expect to be first home? I, I think Vauban is the horse with the class. And uh, he's the horse that's improving. He's strong. And David Casey, who's my assistant, he's been down here. He's he's uh, very, very happy with how things have gone. Uh, it'll be a great moment to see you uh, get the Melbourne Cup, Willie, after all of those uh, sensational Group 1 victories over the jumps back home and going so close with Max Dynamite those years ago. We wish you all the best tomorrow. Thank you very much. Have a great day. Thank you. Willie Mullins, who... Likeable Irishman? Yes. Mm. And I think, did I hear Lloyd Williams um, say the other day that he thinks Willie Mullins is the greatest trainer in the world Mm. uh, with what he's been able to do overseas? And he's always been an Aiden man. Mm. Mm. And a Joseph man. I think Kieran Maher might be that might be that trainer. Isn't it interesting? There's an SMS that's just come through. We're talking about the jumps, and it says here, if it wasn't for jumps racing, we wouldn't have our leading trainer where he is today. Kieran yeah. Maher's background Good with point. jumps. Uh, uh, the, you know what perfectly illustrated the rise of Kieran Maher was there was a feature story in the paper the other day where it showed him not that long ago with his first jumper in 2005, and he looked like such a dag. Straight off the farm, an ill-fitting pair of weird sneakers, and he just looked like some... He's a fashion icon. Yeah. And now he's a fashion icon. He's yeah. a fashion icon. Yeah. So wrapping up, Vauban, um, Sharky? Very, very hard to beat. Very good horse. Mm, same. Just and, might pick itself. Well, yeah, he may well. And who'd have thought that a, a, a lowly maiden at Longchamp on the 18th of April in 2021, Matty, would produce two Melbourne Cup runners? Future history yep. was a runner-up in that race, and Vauban was fourth. Well, it's a shrinking racing world, isn't it? We'll take a quick break on the other side. We'll go through the remainder of the Melbourne Cup field. We'll get Mick Sharkey, Matty Stewart's uh, selections. Uh, Plenty more to come on this special Cup Eve edition of Racing Pulse. Placing their opinion on the line, it's the verdict. It is the verdict on this very special Melbourne Cup Eve edition. We are weaving our way through the Melbourne Cup field. Uh, A lot of SMSs coming through here. Have we got a prize to give away today? Because um, Lunch with Maddie. Lunch with Maddie. Now, that would be something worth winning. Uh, old brownie. RSN, take a bow. <laughs> the coverage and shows like this have made the carnival one for the ages. Uh, that's from Anonymous. Matt Stewart did leave the studio during that break. So, uh, did you take your phone with you, Matt? Didn't. <laughs> you didn't just SMS that Well, one. I need to counterbalance uh, the, the, the vitriol. <laughs> yeah, uh, for... Having such a negative view on the derby, which I was adamant that I didn't even have a view on, but anyway. You're a great inspirer of vitriol. I am a, vi- vitri- I'm a vi- VI, a vitriol inspirer. Um, there's an SMS here saying, where's Matt's early tip, gold man? <laughs> Panic. Didn't come up. Uh, there we go. Um, oh, Goldman. Mm. Boys, we've done the first five in the Melbourne Cup. Let's whip through the rest. Number six is Sulcum, another runner from the Chris Waller stable. He sounded pretty upbeat, Chris Waller, about Sulcum. Can the magic man find the key? And if he can jump Sharky, is he a genuine winning chance? He's a $10 um, chance, according to the tab from Barrier 4. I think that is your only risk. And I've, I've got him on top. But on top, yeah, I think he's got the right profile. He's come through the right races. The Caulfield Cup run has me very worried <laughs> because he just stood in the gates. Change of jockey, blinkers off. I'd be, 
I've, I wouldn't be surprised if he begins really well and puts himself right into a, a dangerous position. He's the right... You know, think back to the Queen Elizabeth last year that he mm. won and he's been favourite or near enough to favourite for the Melbourne Cup since then. He's the right horse and this is his race. He's got the gait. He's got a jockey in incredible form. You know, he's hard to beat, but he has to step. Has to step. But that's what the magic man's there for. Yes, like, Waller's right. done the one percenters here beautifully. Like even that little thing he said about usually goes down with the pony. We're going to give it a spirited canter to the gates this time and keep him keep him moving and not too idle. Then you look at Joe Marrera. If anyone's got the that subtlety to to change things around in the barriers, it's Joe Marrera. He's 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 got magic tricks. He's got subtle things he does with his hands and his whatever and. So, and then the blinkers come off. So every little thing that um, Waller's done makes a, a, a enormous sense. So having said that, I, I'm not tipping in my first three, but I can kind of understand where Shark's coming from. But um, I just love the way Waller's nailed. If, if, the, if you were to say, I've got a problem child in the barriers, what's the best jockey in the world to deal with this? It's got to be Joe Marira, I would have thought. So, yeah, I... Um, I think he's done all the right things, Waller, to, to give himself his best chance. Yeah, if he jumps, as Sharky says, he's a big hope. I, I was keen on him in the Caulfield Cup and back to Mayor. I, I can't back him in the Melbourne Cup, so you watch. He'll jump and he'll win. Uh, he definitely goes in your trifectas and your quaddies, though. Sulcum is a $10 chance. Uh, number six is Sulcum. Number seven, absurd. We've almost covered off with Willie Mullins. Uh, a $12 chance. Uh, Sharky and Matt, as you said, the money's coming. It was $21. Into twelve dollars, where have you got absurd? Huge chance, huge chance. Don't underestimate this horse. Talk about world class jockey. Zach Purton rides from a good gate. He is very, very tough. This fellow. How very does he? Tough. How does he close that seven length margin to the stable mate at Royal Ascot? Uh, well, it's a different race, and you know he he'll probably get. I would like to think he'll get a better run than he did in that race. He was out the back and in traffic most of the time. Vorbin was up on front, uh, up on the speed, making his own luck. So it's you know it's it's a little misleading just reading that on paper. You know it's interesting. He's by Fastnet Rock. It's yeah. really interesting, isn't it? That he's uh, we're not they're not making too many more Fastnet Rocks, are they? So if they're, he wins, it's an Aussie victory. Well, <laughs> of course, of course. I want to see the headline. I think there's a lot of sub editors out there looking for a headline. Uh, I don't know. You know, I just. I just think the Mullins factor, the import inform factor, um, lot lot going for it. I don't want to harp on it, but have you ever seen a more interesting and eclectic group of jockeys in a race in Australia than this group of jockeys? Well, barring the Tory, they're all there. Oh, well, Damien Lane's not there. Oh, Damien Lane, yeah, well, well, that's true too. Well, I just think when you throw in a Holly Doyle and then Jamie Carr and Holly Doyle in the same race, we've been waiting years for that to happen. And that's just a minor part of it. And then Marira Purton, Ryan Moore. Honestly, I don't think Australian racing's ever had a better group of jockeys, a, a more glittering group of jockeys in one race. On a, I think that's the big story of the race is the, is the jockeys who are involved. Kohei Matsuyama, one of your favourites. Yep, Matsy, he's there. Um, there's always going to be jockeys who are missing, uh, but it's more about the ones that are there. Uh, let's hope that Damien Oliver is there as well. we'll and find Ollie, out. sorry, I forgot to mention Ollie's. Uh, oh, you forgot. Hopefully. You forgot McAvoy. He's won three Melbourne Cups. You forgot Craig yeah. Williams as well. well there uh, there are a heap 
of superstars in the race. Um, so final word, uh, absurd no from you, Maddie? No, Any, yes? no, no, yes. Yeah, no, I mean yes. You're a yes. Yeah, right, he's, okay. he's a yes-ish. I mean, he's in there. He's All in right. The uh, number eight, right, you are. Um, pretty good case put forward by Kieran Murray. He's a 60-1 to one shot. Is he a, a top five contender, Sharky? I think he's more of a top ten contender because he's so honest and he'll just go and stay and stick on and keep fighting. I don't think Right You Are has ever dropped out in one of his races. So I think he's a, 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 a top 10 play. You know, they'll, they'll be getting some prize money, I'd have thought. He f- There's always a Kieran Maher horse who runs out of its skin, whether it's uh, the one from Persan or whether it's High Emotion or something. Right You Are maybe that sort of horse. Um, good Melbourne Cup pedigree by Cup place getter out of Cup runner. Yeah, no, nah, wouldn't surprise me. Be- You're another yeah, no, 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 no. It wouldn't yeah, be surprised no. <laughs> me if, if you suddenly go, wow, right, you are in well, you know. Okay, so this is going to be a big trifecta you're having. You no, just, I'm just, what I'm saying is could could easily finish fourth, fifth, sixth. Okay. Uh, I'll tell you one who I'm giving a big chance to yes. uh, finish in the top three, and that is Vow and Declare, number nine. Uh, of course, the winner in 2019. He's a $26 chance, $7 the place looks good to me as well. Um, he's flying and he's has this if he um, obviously when he runs tomorrow he'll be the first horse since Malua in 1884 to have run in the cup um, four years after he won it so it just shows his longevity he's going to have his fourth run in a Melbourne Cup Shadow King had six Skybow had five he joins the likes of Doremus and mm. who shot the barman on four do you bad, give him it? a top three chance? Oh, I could it, I could see him running a really good race and finishing in the first four. Absolutely. He's flying. He's been and done it before. He's well handicapped. Bit of a sticky gate for Billy Egan, but the horse, you know, the Mooney Valley Cup run, nothing went right, and he was still strong to the line and closing off. And that was a grouped finish, but he was, he was there. He was trying. The Lanskys have had their... Money's worth out of this fella, haven't they? Not selling him was the best decision they ever made. Well, he split alligator blood and the horse that arguably should have won the Cox Plate two starts back. So he's actually got classy form this time, you know, hasn't yeah. he? So I, I can see him running, say, seventh or eighth. Good, but not good enough. Uh, number 10 is Cleveland, who beat homebound, declare in the Mooney Valley Cup. He's got barrier 23, $34 chance. Uh, Lloyd Williams was on this morning uh, with Andrew Bensley. It'd be an amazing story if he could win his eighth Melbourne Cup as an owner. I think he will struggle to win. He's a top ten contender. Well, he was favourite for this race last year when they were thinking of bringing him out um, and it didn't eventuate. Yeah, Mooney Valley Cup win was good and tough, but I'm looking around at others. The O'Shea horse was probably the good thing beaten in the Mooney Valley race and then he wasn't good enough in the, the second tier race last Saturday, whether that weighs heavily on me a bit. Um... No, I, I, no, top, yeah, between fifth and fifteenth. <laughs> All right, number eleven is Ashrun. Uh, Kira McAvoy rides. Uh, Kiramar Davis is he's a forty to one chance. Uh, he's been building very nicely. Sharky is the Geelong Cup form strong enough this year? I don't know if it is. It was a, there was a whole swarm of them going to the line together, and there wasn't a lot between them. Ashron's story, his comeback story, is incredible, really. Mm. And I, I just wonder if he was a better horse pre-injury. You know, he, he comes to this race with an improving profile. Is it good enough to beat 
Vorbin, etc. I don't think so. No, you're right. It's just it's a too much of a leap of faith to visualise him as the winner. Incredible it? performance if he's able to to run top three or four. Really, given what the horse has been through, like three years on the sidelines. Wow. Mm. Three years ago, he finished tenth in the Melbourne Cup. Um, so uh, to get back to where he is today is just a, a success story, regardless of where he finishes for Ashrun. Um, is Dyson Sweet Junior yes. a sneaky little he's chance for Philip Stokes? Eighty to one. I know the feeling in the stable is that he's flying and the ownership group, and he's got that little tiny weight. But he's again, he's he's going to finish fifth to twelfth, isn't he? Not first to fourth. I, I, yeah, I think that sort of. Even you know third to seventh, that sort of slot would be where he probably levels out. But he's going to give his owners a great thrill. OTI cast a wide net, don't they, with their mm. ownership group? And mm. uh, yeah, he he will outrun his price. Yeah, I, I think top ten. I'd be surprised if he ran top four. Dyson Sweet Junior, uh, number thirteen. Akita Sushi is the Joseph O'Brien runner. Joseph's not coming. That might be some indication. He's going to mm. watch it. Uh, from back home, he's a hundred to one chance drawn barrier twenty. Sharky, I didn't do enough in the Caulfield Cup, and yeah, I just questioned his form prior to that in that race. I'm I'm not changing my mind here. Mm, same. Isn't uh, it funny with Shiraz? Sorry, the next one. There are elements of the Mooney Valley Cup that we're plucking out in a positive way, like Vow and Declare. And there's when none of us are going to be tipping Shiraz, but you know he was beaten less than two lengths in the race, so. But he's got barrier 22 and he's simply not good enough. And I think even Chris Waller has basically said, no, he's more of a Sydney Cup horse. Well, he finished, he's finished 13th, 8th, 12th, 8th in his four runs this campaign. Uh, no, I think he'll finish nearer the back than the front. Um, interesting runner is number 15, Sharky, here, and that is La Stochka, which is the French import. Craig Williams rides, um, Mick Price, Michael Kent Jr. Um, they say she's just a little thing, but she's got this intriguing international form line, which you're more across than what we are. How does how does it equate to the other internationals that we see in the race? I think they're better. I, I don't know about her form. She's To me, she's a group three style of horse when she's gone to group two races and or run against horses with group one form. They've well and truly had her handled. The races she's won, she's won them well enough, but the horses she's beating in those races are not up to this standard I, I think and it's, I don't know I find these French horses really tricky to assess first time off the off the plane so they often have form on really wet tracks and then we're asked to yeah. support them first up on a good three or a good four which they've probably never seen before so if you're an owner you're probably confident you're probably sitting there saying we've got a great chance all this sort of thing Outside of that camp, it's difficult to get excited about her. She's by Jamaica, so I'm my boy Charlie, which yeah. is interesting. She's been running around. She's a little, tiny, little fleet-footed thing that's been running around on bog tracks in France, and she's got no hope. No hope? No hope. I'd be surprised if she won, but I'm not uh, as across the French form, so it'll be a big, big effort for her to come over here and win the Melbourne Cup. Lestochka, I'll be willing to risk her. Number 16 is Magical Lagoon, another runner from the Wallet Stable. Comes through the Geelong Cup. I, I just don't think it's going well enough. 150 to 1. No, she's no. not going anywhere near the form that saw her win an Oaks in 
Island. Uh, military mission is Gay Waterhouse, Adrian Bott. It would be some story if Gay and Rachel King were able to combine and win a Melbourne Cup. And uh, Look, it's win at Caulfield. Defeating the United Nations was very good. I... I just don't know whether that form is strong enough to win. It's $23. That must be the gay factor, I'd say. I think so. It's it's short enough. Look, it's a top... I think it will be finishing in the top 10. He's been finding the line really well and continues to run consistently right throughout this prep. So he'll be running into the top 10, thick end of the prize money. Barrier and, you know, light, light jockey and a, and a good barrier... Uh, no, no dead weight or anything. I, I can see it floating around in the right spot and then sort of, fly, you know, still being hanging in there in a, in a first four maybe. So I, I can see it in that sense. Number 18 is Serpentine. It's drawn barrier one, another of uh, the Lloyd Williams runners. Stry McNeil rides $41 chance. And interestingly, $61 into 41 uh, I'm not sure if that's due to the soft barrier. Uh, he, of course, was the Epsom Derby winner. I think he finished 20th in the race last year. Not far away in the Bart Cummings. I'd be surprised if he ran. He's certainly top three. come up well this time yeah, in. And he's I see going the, better than he was. Yeah, I see the tongue tie goes on as well. Barrier one, really soft. Melbourne Cup winning jockey in Joy McNeil who. Tumbles down the handicap. And he'll. If they don't hike along, Serpentine's just going to box seat bludging second or third or fourth. Not a gazillion to one. So a winning chance for you, Matty. Got you an idiot. Top seven or eight. There's an SMS here uh, saying, can any of you guys put your kahunas on the line? Every horse is a chance, according to you. Well, we haven't got to tipping yet, have we? (laughs) Oh, God, I've just seen Virtuous Circle's name and I'm about to storm out. Uh, Well, you declared him immoral in the Geelong Cup. He was horrible in the Geelong Cup. I I can't work out. It was the best ride I've ever seen from Damien Lane and he was... I was a bit keen on him until that, but I, I can't see any... Excuse for him in the Geelong Cup. Needs a wet track. Just needs a wet. This horse just needs a wet track. Mm. He, that's all he needs is a wet track. He's not going to get that, but that's what he needs. Yeah. So, if you're running on a good track tomorrow, I don't think he can win. If he gets a wet track, well, he might do something. Mm. Part owned by James McDonald's mum. There you go. Who bred it as well? Virtual Circle, 150 to one. More felons. Um, Jamie Carr rides barrier 24. Was an eye-catching run in the Geelong Cup. It probably should have won, but uh, I, I wouldn't be backing it to win the Melbourne Cup. I'd be really interested in this horse in that staying race on the last day of the carnival rather than the Melbourne Queen Cup. Queen Elizabeth. Yeah. Yeah, the car factor, but yeah, well, you can't you can't really factor it in, can you? I think the next one you can, though. Uh, and that is future history. Holly Doyle rides $19.00. 31 into 19. It's done nothing wrong. Um, a good win in the Bart Cummings up on speed. Drew a wide gate in the Mooney Valley Cup. They decided to ride off the speed. We heard from Kieran that they'll probably press forward with no weight on its back. I can see it running top six, but I can't. I can't. I, I'd be surprised if it ran top three. Um, Maybe you know, this, three is to the, this is the higher motion. Maybe this is the one from Kieran this year. I reckon this is the one that'll run out of its skin. I'd love to see, wouldn't it be great if Holly Doyle could come down and win a Melbourne Cup? Um, Barrier 13's a good middle gate. Yeah, this. I think this is the one. If Kieran's going to pull a rabbit out of the hat, it'll, this is the rabbit. Yeah, genuine, honest sort of horse. He's, as you say, he's doing nothing wrong, but meh, I don't know. just doesn't grab me. Number 17, sorry, number 22 is Interpretation, who's drawn 17. Didn't finish last year's Melbourne Cup. He won his way in with a grinding win in the Bendigo Cup. Uh, 126 to 1. I think it's probably a fair assessment. 
Can, uh, can, can fill a minor hole, I think, in the race? Good I can't tough wait for this. Yeah, go, but three, no, he won't be doing that. Carla Poor, um, Ollie got it home to get a start in the Cup on Saturday. I don't think he's a shocking uh, or a brew that can come out and win the Lexus or the Archer and then win a Melbourne Cup. He's $34. Unders. Yeah, probably try it, tend to agree. And uh, True Marvel's been 201 into 101, uh, number 24 in the Cup. I could piggyback Matty, and I reckon <laughs> it'd be a photo finish with True Marvel. Why aren't we got emergencies? Why are we still in we 2023? Had this because the tab computer won't go higher but than 24. The, the, the tab computer, when it was a rat on a wheel, sort of running the computer in the 1980s, that was the argument. I we are in a fairly sophisticated era, are we? That's the reason. You asked yeah. for the reason. No, no, but how can it be the reason? I think it's 2023. I think it. Uh, I don't know. Ask the tab. I think it costs a lot of money. Um, his Don is good. Get him back. In I don't house. think. Um, I don't on. think the emergencies would have really played a part this year. No, I know, but it's just sort of a weird, weird thing. But All anyway. right, boys. Um, Sharky, kick us off. Give us your top four in this year's Melbourne Cup. Uh, I am with Solcom on top. Solcom is as I get my. Page back. Number six, Solcom to beat number five, Vorben. Number seven, absurd number one, Gold Trip. All right. Um, no, without a fight for you. It's in there, but what do you do? You can't put them all in. Six, five, seven, and one for Sharky. Manny Stewart. I'm going a Willie Mullins Quinella. Uh, I'm going Valban, number five, to beat seven, absurd, one, Gold Trip, and me little Kieran Ma runner. 21 future history. Gee, okay. Uh, I'm going to go with without a fight. I think he'll do the double. Um, without a fight to beat Vauban, the five. Gold trip, number one. I think it's a favourites race. The top three, the cream will rise to the top. And I'm going to put Vau and Declare number nine in for fourth. Uh, I'll probably throw Sulcum in a wider trifecta as well. I think it's a simple Melbourne Cup this mm. year. Yeah, I, think I agree. The best horses, just like the Caulfield Cup, will run the top three. Yep, and I, I think that the, the historic factor doesn't mean as much anymore for the reasons described with the weight scale and so on. So if you're out there and you're a history buff and you're wondering about Gold Trip, I wouldn't wa- put too much weight on the difficulty of going back-to-back with top weight. I'd just treat him as a, yeah, take that away and just back him if you want to back him. All right, so that's our thoughts on the Lexus Melbourne Cup. Feel free, uh, feel free I should say, uh, to text us your tip in the cup. We'll take a quick break. On the other side, we're going to get Ron Duffercy's view on who he thinks will be winning the Cup this year. On RSN's Racing Pulse, this is The Verdict. Welcome back to The Verdict. We've been dissecting the Lexus Melbourne Cup and we need to get the opinion of Ron Duffercy, who our loyal followers love to follow his tips as well. Ron, good morning to you. Yeah, good morning, guys. Uh, It looks... In, in our eyes, uh, we've all just discussed it, that it could be a, a favourites year for this year's Melbourne Cup, that there looks to be the top three or four that have a, a class edge on the remainder of the field. How do you see this year's Melbourne Cup? Yeah, look, I just don't know how to approach this favourite, to tell you the truth. Are we running off one big run? Um, you know, that, that big seven-length victory, um, two starts back at Royal Ascot, I'd... Look, I, I just can't get myself to take this short a price. Um, a horse that's never raced here, but obviously the vibes are there, and I just feel there's opportunity to bet against him, to tell you the truth. Um, so 
my plays in the race, I'm going to back two horses. I'm going to back Sulcum, praying that he doesn't walk out of the barrier, which is 50 50. Mm. Uh, because I just think he's a, obviously a Flemington horse. Two mile looks great for him. Um, typical preparation from Waller, getting right in the right day. Marira, well, he's had 11 winners the past two days in Japan. He's got his eye in as normal. So, yeah, I'll gamble on him, and I'm definitely um, backing the Japanese horse as well, break up. Um, so he's had his little hit out in the Caulfield Cup. Um, it was well documented. They thought he'd need it and be a better horse backing up into a Melbourne Cup and just an enormous respect for the Japanese form and uh, that Tenno show run. I, I, I just think he did enough in the Caulfield Cup to suggest that he's way over the odds here. So, yeah, it's, it's fascinating. He's got beaten seven lengths by Equinox and 5.7 in the Caulfield Cup. And you think he can leap off that Caulfield Cup run when he gets to Flemington second up? That's the that's the rationale yes. with breakup. Definitely, yeah. definitely. Yeah, just just the, the vibes before the Caulfield Cup where I expect him anyway, but they said not today. And um, he's, I still thought he did enough. I know he's got an awkward draw, but he's a good roll-forward horse at this. I know there's a bit of speed, above-average speed here, but he just rolls forward, chipping away, I say. I t- I'll tell you what will be interesting will be the whoever your expert is, but ours is Marie McEwen, the... The Caulfield Cup to the Melbourne Cup mounting out for a horse like Breakup is going to be really interesting. She's going to have her notes and she's going to be going, wow, this horse has done this or hasn't yeah. done this. So, yeah. Yeah, look forward to that. Uh, but uh, you'd love a push there uh, just to give that little bit of confidence that you need, which is uh, you know pretty tough in a race like this. But the big moment in the yard in the, in the Melbourne Cup is always important. Always. What are your thoughts on, on Gold Trip then, Duff? No knock. He just cuddles up. Let's it all unfold. Um, it's hard for top weights in Melbourne Cups. Um, you know, he's only won three races, but one of them was one of these. Um, interesting Zara's left him. That's a significant point. Um, significant. Uh, so he's obviously got a lot of faith in without a fight. So, yeah, I, yeah I'm, I'm no knock from me on Gold Trippers, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's just just look at the weight scales and you're always looking for something with just a little bit of an edge in the weights. And and without a fight, the Caulfield Cup winner, where have you got him in your rankings? Oh, well, he's not in my top four, but he is. He didn't appear to run out the distance last year, but I don't think that's the be-all and end-all. He's settled right into the Australian way now with a magnificent form for the Freedmans and just Zara leading his way. He knows how to ride him. He, he was difficult to ride early on. He wanted to grab the bit early in his races, but there's... there's Brought him around now and, and taught him to cover up and, and relax a little bit better. And I think that's the key uh, to him to him running well here. Duff, just to, we don't get, often get a chance to reflect so soon on what's just happened, but uh, the giga kick um, uh, was amazing for Bella Nipotina. The, the didn't work out for um, thought about, uh, think about it, thought about that. I always get his name wrong. Um <laughs> And then the Japanese horse won the Golden Eagle where Amelia's jewel, to me, she looked like she was nearly going to win, surging the way she did and then recovered. And then obviously a couple of big races in Melbourne as well. What was your, your take out from the weekend? Uh, the take was, was typical Rose Hill up the fence. You had to be on the fence. And mm. I thought Oban Buramai was fantastic. Um, he's, a, he's obviously a very talented horse to come over here at his sixth start and do that and show the acceleration, which he did in Japan. And I agree with Amelia's Jewel. It's one of them ones you'll never know. She was travelling in a beautiful spot and obviously got put out of the race. I think she might have run second. I don't think she would have beat the winner. Um, 
and the, the sprinters, it was the same. There, there was a, uh, like I said, it was fencing day run with that wind come up there, and I thought it was just magnificent tactics. No one, no one saw that coming mm. from from Williams. And when he found the fence and handed up, you said, well, he's only got to have luck because he had the fence. And, and there was a theory going around before the race. Look, these favourites look the, the only two, but they're not going to find the fence. And they didn't. So I, I think they can still both go to the paddock with their heads, heads held high and come back and be a real force. But it wasn't their day. Just on the Golden Eagle... Is 20 runners too much, 1,500 rows, Hill? It, it looks too much. It looks too cluttered. It, I know they've got the 10 million and they want to maximise the field. I think they actually extended the field last year in quite bizarre circumstances. But what, what is it too many runners around Rose Hill, 1,500? I don't think so for this race. Yeah, it's a big, long run to that first turn. I think it come down to them slowing up and all wanting to make their runs at the same time. And it just one horse just shifted and that caused that bit of drama. You know, that happens in all races. You know, is there is 24 too many in a Melbourne Cup when you've got a, you know, 750 to one chance? So you, you can argue that till you're blue in the face. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I won't say it shouldn't be 20 runners because I, I thought it was a, a quite a competitive field. Uh, Duff, just recap for the listeners, your top four in the Cup? Uh, the top four, uh, the bets of Solcombe and uh, Breakup. And uh, look, I'm not going to completely sacked the stable mates Vauban and and absurd he's got form around um, Vauban, Vauban as well so yeah I'm, I'm just keen on those two bets two win bets on the, the breakup and uh, and Sorkham situation uh, good on you Ron enjoy cup day Inver Park will win the last as well Ooh, oh hang on don't start throwing things in late oh, I like that the uh, last win unprompted yeah. yeah oh that's good So it's in- almost like you accidentally let it out by mistake yeah, yeah, I might have. But I, I, I've been, what, this horse has had his name on this race for about three months. I know he's a, you won't get a rap from the yard. He's the ugliest little thing you'll ever see. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, and I'm the chief fan club holder of Shorten Lane, but I just feel $12, $10 or $11 even to park. I just think he'll run boldly there. Hey, I don't, want to, I don't want to mention it too loudly. There is an SMS here saying, hey, once again, Sydney trainers and jockeys uh, had the wood on the Victorians on Derby Day, Ronna. Uh, are you expecting it to be similar then tomorrow? Oh, well, they're, they're strong. I think. Uh, I think he set up beautifully uh, this day, as well as Mr. Waterville. Mm. His preparation was to peak on this day in another race, and he will in this one. And I think um, uh, Barber. They've been just waiting, waiting, waiting for the right race, and they found mm. it there as well. Hey, self-interest, Ron. How do you rate Queen of Dragons in race three? Yeah. She's um yep she presents okay I I a couple of looks at her and I thought yeah you've got a chance without you know wanting to come out and say have something on this it's I didn't know enough about the opposition there but um, I think yeah, obviously she'll run well she's well placed and it's the uh, you know, the right style of race for her mm. at 1800. Well, that's good. No solid push. I've got a little share in Warmonger. Give it strength tomorrow. <laughs> oh, you haven't managed a 24 hour junket, have you, Duff, or staying home? No. No, I've got to be at the big dance tomorrow. We're dancing all day. so And I think Wicklow will win the big dance. There you go, Chris Waller. Yeah. Or even, yep. would Duff would be like a, a square dancer? No, he wouldn't. He'd be, uh, he'd be you know, the blokes who sort of get it lost in their own world and they dance solo <laughs> in the corner. Sweaty armpits and all that and sort of just lost in the zone, I reckon you'd be, Duff. Lost in the zone. Uh, there's lots of dancers. Um, I'm still struggling to find one that I'm, I'm suited to. <laughs> <laughs> hey, good on you, Ron. Good luck tomorrow. 
See you guys. Ron Doversy. So that little tip that he's thrown out at the end, Inverpuck's $10. We mm. might need it come race 10 on Cup Day. Uh, just recapping, Mick Sharkey's tip in the Cup. He likes Sulcombe, six to beat five. Vauban, seven. Absurd and one gold trip. Matty Stewart, he likes the favourite. Vauban to beat the stablemate. Absurd, number seven. One gold trip and 21's his little... Uh, outside of future history. I'm with Without a Fight to complete the double. Three to beat five. Vauban, one gold trip and nine. I think Vow and Declare can run a big race. And Duff, he likes number six, Sulcombe, as well. And he'll be backing Breakup. His others in the top four are the two Willie Mullins, Runners, Vauban and Absurd. Uh, a few SMSs here. Uh, what was Matty Stewart's tip? I've just given you that, so there you go. Uh, I missed your comments on more felons. Uh, previously, scriptwriter... Um, I think Absurd will beat it home yeah. again, um, as it did in the Ebel. Another one here, a horse like Carlapore, uh is in light, been hitting the line hard. Uh, I think it's uh, overs at $11 the place. Mm. All right, I have a theory, boys, in the cup. Unless they have previously run over 3,200, they can't win it. Therefore, Sulcum can't win. That's Steve from Moravan there. Uh, All right, Stevie boy. Always Gold, gold trip hadn't been over 3,200. And, uh, and there's another one here saying without a fight, Caulfield Cup best form, he will win. That's boy from the ball. Love all your input as always to the listeners out there. Um, Matty, Sharky, enjoy Cup Day. Yes, uh, will do. Michael. Always a great you day. Too, Good on you, Michael. All right. Oh, anything out wide, Sharky? Oh, pounding should win race two, shouldn't it? Yeah, all right.